Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are now listening to the Dynasty Rewind. And welcome back to the Dynasty Rewind, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Bauer. The best in the business is back in business. Joined as always by my faithful co-host, Nate Christian. Nate, hi. Hi. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm good. And how about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. You know, I, I like I like doing the podcast. So, you know, I'm happy to be here on Tuesday night hanging out with you. Well, the podcast likes when you do it. But um, unfortunately for all of those who are listening and not watching, no Chev tonight. Chev is a little under the weather. He apologizes, said he misses everybody, but he's going to be back at it next week. However, we got a pretty dang good film. We got the Bobcat. Got Bob Van Duzer in the house. Absolutely thrilled at that sound drop. You can see the look of just pure pleasure on his face. Bob, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm avoiding a thunderstorm right now. So it was supposed to rain all day and rain and pour all day here in Wisconsin. And it turned out being a decent day. Still supposed to get some rain overnight. But I'm just trying to stay out of trouble and not screw up tonight and fill in for Sheb, Sheb admirably as much as I can. Well, I think you will. Looking at the show sheet, uh, and Bob, happy to have you back. So let's get right into it and let's just go. Wow, I'm really doing a good job with my segues tonight. I'm sorry, it's a long day. <laughs> um, I feel like the people I work with are getting dumber somehow. It's mm. just been a very emotionally draining, t- taxing day for me. So, also the guy that I work with, he has he grew his mustache out which he shouldn't because his mustache is like mine there's not much there and then he's trying to curl it at the uh, ends it's nice. just no respectable trying to bob no no I would, <laughs> do they make glasses where like you could take a picture of just exactly what i see do they make that google glass came out about a decade ago and utterly failed i don't even know why because it was a good idea because I, I want i want the people to see what my disdain is on a daily basis want the people to know but you know it's not disdainful late round draft picks now a lot of people say it's just a waste of time it's a waste of resources i disagree there is a lot of diamonds in the rough in the late rounds of your draft and you know what sometimes you made moves they didn't work out well you only have late round draft picks Nate, you've had teams like that. Maybe you went all in for the championship and you didn't win because you traded for Austin Eckler and another player, and then you traded a third for Zana and Knight, and you still didn't win the championship. Those many people. So maybe all you have is some late-round picks. What are you going to do with them? Well, you're just going to target some sleepers because that's what you do. So we're looking for guys who we feel are a little bit undervalued. And like last week's exercise, that was the first, second round, and third round to an extent. Now we're talking about the fourth and fifth round. Okay, why are these guys undervalued? Where do we think that they should be going? And we are using DLF or keep trade cut, whatever your poison is. I think Nate's more of the keep trade cut guy here than 
Yeah. It depends on um, my thoughts the here. Discussion. Because, because okay. yeah. The Whichever keep, fits his narrative. Oh, okay, Bob. No, the keep trade cut. You know, I, I look at these two platforms as very different uh, data. You know, uh, I agree. I agree. keep trade cut is very, very much for everyone out there. And DLF is behind a paywall. And, you know, it's it's a bit more content creator heavy, I think, with its rankings and ADP. Okay. So I will say this. DLF's trade analyzer is amazing. Jesse and I did an audit last night. If you want to see that audit, you can sign up for one through PayHip. I think the link is going to be in the description. Or you can sign up for Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Rewind. Whenever we do an audit for somebody, we release it to everybody to watch because, you know, you might learn something along the way. But I was putting trades together for Lee, who got an audit. And I'll tell you what, man. It's just a great way to do it. It's great. It is the best trade analyzer slash calculator I've ever used, but let's get into it. So, Nate, I know you don't like starting first, so I'm actually going to go first this week. If you watch this on YouTube and I'm not first, the guy on the bottom of the screen had something to do with that. So we're going to go round by round. My fourth round sleeper is wide receiver Parker Washington from Penn State University. DLF ADP has him at number 42 coming off the board. He's wide receiver 15, which is criminal. I feel like it's kind of one of those what have you done for me lately type deals. Bob, don't make your faces down there at me. You know, Chef doesn't make faces at me. We need to get him back on this podcast. <laughs> um, he did not end the season playing. He had, I believe it was an ankle injury. Also, please, we got PFF now for the crew. We need a website where it just focuses on college injuries, figuring out what's going on so we can know. Uh, but I believe it was an ankle injury. So he was limited to 10 games in 22. He finished the season still respectably, 46 catches, 611 yards, and two touchdowns. And if you're like, well, that's not that great, watch Sean Clifford play football. Tell me how he could have done much better. However, in 2021, he did have 65, 64 catches, I'm sorry, 820 yards and four touchdowns in 13 games, playing alongside first-round draft pick Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson had a really good season as well, 12 games, 91 catches, 1,182 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So he can be productive when healthy despite having competition even with good competition on the field for those targets he's still productive he projects as a slot wide receiver to me he does have the ability to break a game open he's not the most physical guy at the catch point but he's physical enough to get it done he is tough in the middle of the field though i'll yep. tell you that he he takes hits and he gets right back up he's built like a running back too so talking about some combine scores he had a combined score of 5.95, which the NFL grades as an average backup or special teams player. All he did was the bench press. I'm assuming that's because of his ankle injury. He's lingering a little bit. Did have 16 reps, likely because of the ankle injury, like I said. I feel he's better than a backup or special teams player, to be honest with you. He's a guy, to me, if he goes to a wide receiver needy team, they put him on the field right away, he can be productive out of the slot. So Parker Washington, my fourth-round sleeper, and Bob – guest of honor for today who is your fourth round sleeper now i am very picky when it comes to these fourth and fifth round picks i have a very short list that goes through the entire draft and that list doesn't get any longer when i get into later rounds and something you'll see throughout all of these picks none of us have any running backs listed as our primary sleeper options it's going to be important mm -hmm. to focus on wide receivers especially ones that are still going day two that are just falling down the board and even ones that get day three capital those guys are going to be more likely to get traction later on in their careers as opposed to running backs. But for me, I have somebody who I don't understand why the league 
isn't more enamored with, and that is Xavier Hutchinson. Nate, I know you're a big fan as well. Oh, yes. DLF ADP of 39, wide receiver too, 12 Bob. currently. I'm glad to hear you're a fan too as well, Mike. But it just doesn't seem to be in the cards, hence why he's kind of falling in this fourth round range. He might not be an A-plus athlete, but he is a great, great wide receiver all around. Doesn't lack any of the basic wide receiver things. Great hands, great route running, versatile in terms of where he can line up between the outside and the slot, played a very reasonable amount of reps in both locations. So he can kind of fit anywhere in an offense. I think he's probably going to be best out of the slot in the NFL just because of that lack of athleticism at the next level or going into the next level. But I touched on a great production, 2,932 yards and 15 Mm -hmm. touchdowns, 254 receptions and 354 targets in his three seasons at Iowa State, all while boasting a top-notch Yards per route run in the class at 2.72, only behind wide receivers Jalen Hyatt, Quentin Johnson, Rashi Rice, and Marvin Mims in 2022. Now, my thought on why maybe he is getting a little overlooked on top of the athleticism, you know, when you get that much volume, I think there is an expectation that you should be putting out more production, more statistics, more touchdowns, and things like that. But either way, his draft process has been very quiet. Nobody's hyping up Hutch as a day two pick except us we're the only ones with carrying the torch right now i know there's some youtube comments commenters out there that'll love this too but this is pretty much an us thing at this point as far as i've seen if his value were to stay here i think it's still an appropriate spot to take a shot on a prospect i believe in even if he does get day three draft capital i think the fourth round is you know the next guy i'm going to talk about as a guy who i think actually leaps into the third round I think come draft day, I think Xavier Hutchinson is probably still going to be a fourth-round pick, an early fourth-round pick, third, fourth-round fringe pick. But either way, he's still someone I'm looking for in this range, despite the lack of hype around him. Mm. Even if he's going day three, this is a guy I want on my team, plain and simple. Yeah. You, hey, we've been talking about Xavier Hutchinson for a while now. I mean, I remember for a minute. Um, you know, like two years ago, when he transferred to Iowa State, being excited about him and um, what he could be doing. So uh, I, I love to see that, you know, he's got this far. I really think there's still a chance he's a day two pick. I know it's uh, maybe less realistic than it was earlier in the pre-draft process, but there's certainly a lot of talent with Hutchinson. I agree. Uh, Nate, let's kick it to you now. And who is your fourth round sleeper? Yeah, so originally I was going to go with Xavier Hutchinson. I actually uh, figured I'd talk about him enough, so I let – Someone else talk about him, so there you go. I'll throw you a bone, Bob. But uh, I'm going to be talking about Jaden Reed tonight. Uh, Jaden Reed's a guy that I thought did really well at the Senior Bowl this year. Um, he's a guy that at Michigan State put up some really good numbers, catching passes over there. Uh, right now on Keep Trade Cut, 46 off the board, DLF 40 off the board, 5'11", 187 pounds. He did run a 4.45 40-yard dash. In 2021, he had his best season. He had 105 targets, 59 receptions for 1,026 yards. Uh, 17.4 yards per reception and 10 touchdowns. You know, he was used down the field. Uh, Michigan State offense was rolling that year. And Jaden Reed was just mossing people for touchdowns along the sideline. I mean, he was in the slot. He was outside. It didn't matter. He was winning contested catches, scoring touchdowns for Michigan State in the Big Ten and just taking over games in the 2021 season. Now, 2022. Michigan State offense are completely different. Uh, you know, Kenneth Walker, he's playing for the Seattle Seahawks now. And, the, and just quite honest, the Spartans couldn't replace that kind of value. You know, they just couldn't do it. So 
he was wasn't used down the field very much. He was used much closer to the line of scrimmage. You know, he had 90 targets for 55 receptions, 636 yards, and five touchdowns. So only 11.6 yards per reception. That's down, you know, almost six yards per reception from 2021. So this change in scheme, you know, he still was the number one option on that offense, but it didn't allow him to show off, you know, that contested catchability and getting down the field. And I think that's something that he really, you know, does so well along with his yak ability, which is why he was used along the sideline. So player profiler, if you jump on there, they actually compare him to Stephon Diggs. And I think that, you know, for many reasons, because I think he's a very good route runner. I think he, you know, he, like we've talked about, he wins those contested catches and he's, He's a guy that can play in the slot outside. He's going to be a mid-round pick. I'm not saying he's going to be Stephon Diggs, but it's a very interesting comparison there. He does have an 18.4-year-old breakout age, which is uh, top percentile. Um, and this is a guy that transferred up. You know, And I love players that transfer up in college because that means you know, continual improvement. You know, The big programs, they spend a ton of money on scouting and recruiting. So if they see talent, they go get it. It means a lot to transfer up. And he started out at Western Michigan. His freshman year, he was the second wide receiver behind D. Eskridge, a former second-round pick for the Seahawks. And freshman year, right as soon as he stepped on the field, he was number two for that team. He did transfer after his freshman year. Unfortunately, back then, there wasn't the transfer portal, so he did have to sit for a year. And then he gets to Michigan State. As soon as he hits the field there, he's the second behind Jalen Naylor and then takes over in 2021. This is a guy I think we got to go after. He was top 25, um, minimum of 93 targets. Mike, that's half of the leader leader in the NCAA last year. But top 25 wide receiver in yards after the catch per catch, yards per route run, average depth of target, and PFF grade. All those Stats in 2021, just a really, really good season. He was fifth in the nation in 2021 with 14 contested catches, only one behind Jordan Addison when he won the Belenikoff. Jaden Reed, a lot of talent. He might get day two draft capital. Definitely a guy I'm targeting in the fourth round. I love that. And, you know, I think it's important really to talk about a guy like Jaden Reed. I love the Stephon Diggs comp. Look, Stephon Diggs was a fifth-round draft pick out of Maryland. Okay, so we got two Big Ten guys here, and this just shows, like, I understand that everybody's like, oh, well, the NFL has to draft these guys, blah, 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 for them to be relevant on my fantasy team. Stephon Diggs, still relevant. Adam Thielen was either a late-round pick or undrafted, I believe, right? Something like yep. that. Undrafted. I should be prepared with that undrafted. one. Undrafted. Um, yep. Undrafted, even, even better. Antonio Brown was a six-round draft pick. So these guys, they do happen, okay? It's not a thing that happens all the time, but it does happen. And another guy, just a little honorable mention I want to talk about here. It's running back Eric Gray from Oklahoma. Guy that I'm glad went back for his senior season. Bob is a big Eric Gray fan. So am I. He could have came out last year, but he went back in 2022, 213 carries, 1,366 yards. So he averaged 6.4 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns. He's a good receiver too. 33 grabs for 229. No touchdowns through the air, but just looking at his, uh, he has a prospect grade on NFL.com of 6.22, which says will eventually be an average starter. Hey, an average starter, if you can get him in the fourth round, that's great. That's value right there. The only thing I disagree with here is his NFL comp is Miles Sanders. And he's a little bit better of a receiver than Miles Sanders, and he runs a little bit lower, more compact than Miles Sanders does. You know, his his movements are just a little more – Miles Sanders is kind of twitchy, kind of all out there. He's got some moves. Eric Gray, to me, is like a more of a one-cut, hard-hitting guy. So 
I don't really like that comp that much. But looking at Eric Gray's um, combine score, because the NFL does combine scores, in case you're wondering, Eric Gray came out at a 6.22, which was tied with Tajay Spears and ahead of Dynasty Rewind favorite Dwayne McBride and also ahead of Tank Bigsby, Chase Mike Brown, yeah, Sean Tucker, yeah. Kendra Miller, Roshan Johnson, who a lot of people are high on, and they should be. And uh, another Dynasty Rewind favorite, Sir Roderick Thompson. So, but, um, but can yeah. Eric Gray step over pads? Hey, yeah, I was going to say, do they do they grade the Deuce Staley drill at all? <laughs> because he, he failed that one, yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that is true. He did fail that one. Uh, but I do like Eric Gray. He's a guy that I'm definitely trying to pick up in later rounds for sure, especially at that value. And he is the 37th player off the board, which is running back 16 in this class. All right, so let's move on. And boy, I am just talking up a storm today, aren't I? Because looks like I'm back up. My fifth round sleeper. Look, you want a sleeper? This is it. Wide receiver Charlie Jones from Purdue. So his DLF ADP is 53, which puts him at wide receiver 21. So he's 5'11 and 175 pounds. So he's an inch taller than Parker Washington, but a bit more of a slight guy. Different path to relevance than most. You want to talk about a crazy story here. 18, he played in Buffalo. Not professionally, everyone. The University of Buffalo. 18 catches for 395 yards and three touchdowns. And then the archaic transfer rules kicked in. He went to Iowa, so he didn't play in 2019. 20 and 21, Iowa. 21 catches for 323 yards and three touchdowns. Two rushes for 38 yards. So just so you know, no catches in 2020. All his rushing yards came then. And then in 2021 is when he got all the receiving yards. Just weird. Look his stats up. And then 2022 in Purdue, 110 catches, 1,361 yards, and 12 touchdowns. So, I mean, it's just – it's night and day. But this – and again, this shows you how bad Iowa's offense really is. So he was number one in receptions in both the NCAA and Big Ten. Yes, and that leads everything else, but I'm just throwing it out there because he plays in the Big Ten. Number one in receiving yards in the Big Ten. He was number five in yards from scrimmage in the Big Ten behind Chase Brown with 1,883. Muhammad Ibrahim, 1,715. Another guy who's getting slept on, too. He could be something. Keep your eye on him. Blake Corm, who we'll be talking about next year, 1,543. And Evan Hall, 1,459. If you want to hear more about Evan Hall, patreon.com forward slash dynasty rewind mm-hmm. that's where you're going to hear about that he's a quality possession receiver who's good in traffic and sure-handed he looks to be a ppr machine at the next level you know 110 catches there's 110 points right off the rip he had a combine score of 6.17 which was ahead of notable receivers such as Keishan Boutte with 6.16 rashi rice with six even andre yoshivas did i say that right who cares 5.99 Jaden reed 5.98 Parker Washington, 5.95. Xavier Hutchinson, 5.87. And Maryland favorite, Rackham Jarrett, with a 5.69. I like that guy, by the way. Nate. Charlie Jones, I feel like he's not being talked about very much at all. In the fifth round, you could do a lot worse. Bob. Mike. Who's your fifth round sleeper? He's a guy that I like, by the way. For me, I'm looking at a guy who we have not talked about in any solo setting on this channel. He's been brought up in a couple of mock drafts, but never dove into in any capacity. I'm talking about Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. Currently, DLF ADP 51, wide receiver 19. So I believe that is the 503 in rookie drafts right now, coming off at the early fifth round. 6'2", 220. 
just offers a little something different that this class doesn't really have, you know, a big bodied frame dealing with a lot of small wide receivers this year. He offers just something different. Looking at his athletic score per math bomb, 9.97, almost a perfect relative athletic score. At first glance, looking at his stats, you know, when you start diving into this guy, nothing crazy to see, very modest college production up until his final season, finally putting up 861 yards and five touchdowns over 13 games, averaging 16.9 yards per reception. Again, respectable, but nothing crazy to see here. However, you have to realize this is an offense that is built around the run to support the growth of their first-year starter in Jackson Dart, quarterback. And remember, Matt Corral was a third-round draft pick last year, not helping this guy out. The two stars of this offense, as much as I hate to say it, Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans were clearly the guys in this run-first attack, stars of the show. Easy to say. As much as we like or dislike a prospect there, he was – one of the guys leading the was the face of that offense, basically. Hey, Bob. But I yes. do have one question for you. Does Ole Miss have a really crappy tight end playing for them that I could fall in love with? Because that seems to be my thing every year. <laughs> I I don't I don't know of one. If there they is have a one. really good tight end, you could fall in love with. Who um, is that? Mike, Michael Trigg. Uh, I did see him. Point. I did see him. He uh, he was actually interesting. He had a splash play on a game I watched. But back to it. When you look at some of these advanced analytics, you know, which is what you have to do when you're looking at film, you need to dive in and watch things a little more closely. If flashy stats aren't there, but people are hyping a guy up or the NFL is, you got to kind of dive a little deeper. So when you look at some of these advanced analytics among wide receivers that were drafted eligible in 2023, looking back to 2022, wide receivers with more than 80 targets, specifically yards per route run, Mingo, Jonathan Mingo lines up alongside some of our other class favorites, including Zay Flowers and Josh Downs, averaging 2.14 yards per route run. Within the same parameters, he sits in the top three of the class when it comes to yards after catch per reception, only behind Quentin Johnston, Marvin Mims in that category. Now, when you get into these stats, you might notice his average depth of target is 14 and a half yards. So, well, duh, of course, he's just a deep threat. Am I right? Wrong. This is where I encourage you to check out some film on Marvin Mims or not Marvin Mims. Jesus just <laughs> got him on the brain for some reason. Cause his hands are that good that He's they know they're good. not. They're He's not good, your brain. That's He's what it is. Not that good. Come He's on. Not that sticky. Good. Now sticky, I can't, man. now I can't live this down, but Damn highly sweet, encourage baby. you. <laughs> Welcome highly to the podcast. En- yeah, right. I'm never coming back again. So False. this is where I highly, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Highly encourage you to check out some film on Jonathan Mingo. Because some of his best work as a pure receiver and playmaker is actually close to the line of scrimmage. He has a great release, clean breaks in his route tree, soft hands at the catch point, and is extremely quick to turn and burn upfield and will regularly make the first defender miss. He also has the rare ability to throttle up and down speeds as opposed to just having the one go setting where he's just all speed all the time. And I will say, Mike, you will love this, and this is probably why you like this guy. He is easily the best run-blocking wide receiver in this class and will thrive in a play-action-heavy system. Mm -hmm. Very uh, Quite a few plays where he'd go fake to be in the the run-block, break off, just juke the first defender in his face and wide open for at least some gain. But uh, clearly, NFL teams seem to think this – Thinks of this as well. Jonathan Mingo is one of the most regularly listed wide receivers visiting teams for top 30 visits. Per WalterFootball.com and NFL trade rumors, he has visits booked with the Bears, the Cowboys, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Steelers, 
and the Titans. He's also had unspecified formal meetings meetings with the 49ers, Cardinals, and Ravens as well. Hmm. While Twitter and YouTube might not be super high on this guy yet, it appears clear to me that the NFL is, hmm. and it leads me to believe that he's worth an even closer look. When all is said and done, I think he ends up closer to being a late second, early third rounder rookie pick, especially in the case that he does get that precious day two draft capital. And Nate is making me say this because I texted it to him. Yep. He's likely what you wanted Keishan Butte to be without the baggage. There it is. And that's all I have to say on Jonathan Mingo. Yeah. I will say this, though. Ole Miss is going to be interesting next year. They have Jackson Darties returning, but they also transferred in Spencer Sanders, who, for all intents and purposes, has been a better collegiate quarterback so far, in my opinion, than Jackson Dart. So it's going to be interesting. Quinjon Judkins, Judkins is going to have a good year as well. Mm-hmm. So. Bob, I love the Ole Miss flair you got here for my man, Jonathan Mingo. Uh, love it. Nate, who is your fifth-round sleeper? And yeah, I don't know how I feel about this one. I might disagree with you. This is a guy that I might actually pass on, but what do you got? All right. Yeah, so, you know, in the fifth round, we're shooting for upside. And I think there's upside to be had with Andre Yoshevis, uh, the wide receiver out of Princeton. Uh, wide receiver 52 on DLF right now, and he's not even on keep trade cut, so I can't even give you a number there. He's not being selected in the first five rounds. Um, he is six foot three, 205 pounds. He did run a 4.43 40-yard dash, 39-inch vertical, and 19 bench reps. Good for a 9.95 relative athletic score. I mean, this guy checks all the boxes athletically. He's one of those guys that he's going to start reminding you of some of these other, you know, Small school players who had that size-speed combo, dare I say, Christian Watson, Alec Pierce, those molded players. This is also a guy that went to Princeton. It's not easy to be a student athlete at Princeton, I would imagine. And this guy's also, he was voted team captain. And I bet you there's a lot of really good team captains at Princeton. There's a lot of future leaders there. So, you know, I'm going to take those things just a smidge bit more when I'm talking about an Ivy League school. In the last season, you know, he was great in the FBS, 85 targets, 65 receptions, 64 actually, sorry, lied to you there, 75.3 yards per game, 924 yards total for 14.4 yards per reception, seven touchdowns. And this is a guy that absolutely dominates in contested catch situations. He was fourth in the FBS last year with a 68.8% contested catch percentage and of, you know, Anyone with 10-plus contested catches, he was second most with 430 yards after contact. Um, he was only behind number one by two. Okay, The guy in first place had 432 yards after contact, but this guy had a 4.7 yards uh, yards after catch per reception. Yoshevich had 6.7. We're talking about two totally different guys. The other guy had plenty of volume on oh, just a per-target, per-reception basis. Yoshevich is a guy that creates yards after the catch. He's a guy that also wins contested catches. He can get down the field. He can make people miss. He has the size to go with it. And we saw continual improvement over his college career. Unfortunately, the 2020 season was canceled for the Ivy League, uh, so he didn't get to play in 2020. But each year he improved. He's a guy that had a 40% dominator rating of his team. He was the offense. And when you're looking at FBS players, you want to see a guy that dominated. And Yoshevich quite literally dominated his team, the competition he was playing in. He was averaging 8.5 targets per game over 10 games. This is a guy that I think has some potential. And when you're talking about 
players are going to be picking up with day three draft capital. You know, a guy who has size and speed, that checks two of the boxes that you got to get to get to the NFL. All right. Um, you said, did you talk about him being comp to Denzel Mims? Did you mention that? I did not. Who's his player comp, Nate? Denzel Mims. Oh, you no. guys don't have to read my notes off for me. Sometimes I skip things just because I don't feel like talking well, about it. I have it up on the screen in Why front of me. Why talk about that? Because I feel like I've already made my point. You know, player <laughs> profile before the be, yeah before the NFL draft player profile just you know they find guys that are comp. You know, know Yoshivish has that size speed combo like Denzel Mims, but uh, hey, I mean Denzel Mims, I feel like he should have had a better career. I think the Jets kind of screwed him over to be honest. Yeah, I mean it's hard to be wide receiver when you don't catch the ball ever. Um, you know what has Denzel Mims done in his career? He has 42 catches for 676 yards and no touchdowns. That's about 35 more than I would have guessed. <laughs> Let's talk about one last guy before we go. It was a guy that Chev put on the show sheet. Again, he is sorry he couldn't make it. Stetson Bennett. Maybe it's time to put some respect on Stetson Bennett's name. Two-time back-to-back. National champion. Um, just looking at it right here. Player profiler. This is great. I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. Best comparable is Logan Woodside. Okay, well, let's click on Logan Woodside. Best comparable to him is Aaron Murray. Let's click on Aaron Murray. Best comparable to him is Case Keenum. So there you go. Stetson you Bennett, Case Perfect. Keenum. They, <laughs> All right. um, his ADP right now, he is the 49th player off the board. And he's quarterback seven. Again, everything here, super flex, rookie ADP. That is what we're looking at, just so that everyone's aware. Um, two really good seasons. He finished his collegiate career with 8,429 yards and 66 touchdowns with only 21 interceptions last year. Okay, for a team that was not heralded as having a good offense. We've heard that time and time again, Nate, right? Many times we heard people saying Georgia's offense sucked. He threw for over 4,000 yards. Will Levis, who I kind of like, and is a projected first-round draft pick through for less than 3,000 yards. Okay, this is a dude that could get in somewhere, a starter get hurt, and maybe he's Gardner Minshew. And you get a season or two out of him, but you're drafting him in the fifth round. Maybe you move him and you upgrade. It's okay to do that with guys like this. Um, I think that was all I had. That is all I had on Stetson Bennett. I don't know if you you guys have anything you want to say. I think he's worth a shot in the fifth round. If some of these other guys that you like are gone, you know, quarterbacks, quarterbacks get hurt. Quarterbacks matter. Yeah, I mean, you could have sold Bailey Zappi for a second uh, in the middle of a Patriots game last year. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, he might be the starter again next year, from what I heard. Who knows? Oh, Sean's tearing down the curtains in his dining room. He's not happy about that. <laughs> we love you, Sean. So Sean's going to finish up his taco salad or whatever it is that he is eating. But until next time, everybody, just want to say thank you again for listening. All of the new reviews we've gotten are appreciated. Keep them coming. Five-star reviews are awesome. Visit our great sponsors. Spread Shop, can't say it. We want some good merch. Got uh, Siki. We got Underdog. All the links and codes are down below. So, Bob, thank you for filling in for Chev. I have a feeling we'll be hearing from you again shortly. So for Nate Christian, I'm your host, Michael Bauer. Till next time, be kind, please rewind. Thanks for listening.